the eighth, and now I'm joined by Simon Kingsley Holmes, resident film critic here at Radio One. Hey, doing, mate? I'm very well. Yes, I'm uh, surprisingly awake for considering what the month has been like. So yeah, yeah, I'm with right. it. I'm definitely with it. My nerves are intact. No, they're not. But I'm fine. I'm fine. What of it? Who cares? I don't know. Get off my case. Um, yeah, no, th- all, all's going well. Yeah, <laughs> and film festival still trucking along solidly. Still, yeah, still going, still going. I was, I was surprised when I looked at the schedule and I realised there's still another week and a half to go of it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, great. I've only I've I haven't seen any more since uh, you were last, mm. and but I feel I don't need to stress too much because there's still plenty yeah. of time, plenty still to loads see. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the last day is on Wednesday thirtieth. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be it's it's going to be and it's jam packed all the way through. Mm. So yeah, I um uh, haven't. I think I reviewed a couple of bits and bobs on Tuesday, but I've seen a couple of films since then. Um, starting with, well, last night I went to see the Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is uh, the new film by Yorgos Lanthimos, the Greek filmmaker who previously done Dogtooth and The Lobster. And these rather, uh, I mean, I was I hadn't seen his work before, but it's he it, just these rather his films that. Um, uh, hinge around rather odd uh, premises. So, Dogtooth mm-hmm. was about a family who live in this completely hermetically sealed house. You know, they never go out. No, the children have never been outside of this house. The parents don't go out of this house. Um, and uh, that's got very messed up implications. <laughs> um, and then there was the lobster from a couple of years ago, which uh, one uh, can. It was about people who check into this clinic and they've got 30 days to find love or they turn into an animal of their choice. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, which also starred Colin Farrell, who is uh, who right. is in this one, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. This tells the story of Colin Farrell plays a surgeon called uh, Stephen and he is a loving family man and a very good surgeon and uh, he has recently met this young boy called Martin, a teenage boy called Martin, played by Barry Kewen, a rising young actor who people will have seen in Dunkirk recently and mm-hmm. also in the very terrific couple of years ago, very terrific film called 71. Um, so this uh, young boy called Martin, who's, who's rather damaged because uh, a year previously his father had died during surgery uh, during which Stephen was the surgeon uh, but Martin seems to um, seems to enjoy his company he was always turning up at uh, unannounced at his surgery and whatnot and then Stephen seems to like him they seem to get on perfectly well and then Stephen decides to invite him around to his house to meet his wife Anna played by Nicole Kidman and his two kids uh, Kim and Bob and so um, re- and so at that point, relative, uh, relatively speaking, within the, this film, it's all quite happy and nice, and everything's going well. But then it slowly becomes apparent that Martin wants more out of that family than uh, they're expecting, and it goes in all kinds of messed up directions. <laughs> um, and I say, I say, relative, relatively speaking, within the film, because right from the get-go, you realise, oh, uh, I, I, I didn't, I went into it cold, like I hadn't seen the director's work, I hadn't read any reviews, I hadn't seen any trailers for this one. It was kind of the ones, I, one of the ones I wasn't so stoked about going to see it, but I went to see it with a mate who wanted to check it out. And right from the get-go, you realised, oh, this is. I was in a weird comfort zone because I knew that I didn't know where it was going to go. It starts and there's just this cacophony of music, just boom, you're in there and this big classical music is assaulting your ears and it starts with like this pul- this um, uh, hole cut into uh, and you're looking at a, a pulsing, throbbing organ inside this, uh, I could rephrase that. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> right, I don't like Mitchell. that. Not like that, you dirty-minded <laughs> listeners. What's wrong with you? Um, but uh, during surgery, so I'm not sure if it was like a lung or a liver or something, but it's just it's just there, just beating away, and it goes on for a long time. It just um, uh, yeah, again. So. <laughs> oh, grow up! I would never find that funny. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, as, as the film goes on, you realise is all the all the actors are talking in this uh, strange, very clipped manner. Like it's oddly emotionless, like deliberately so. Mm-hmm. Um, which means actually, um, for Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell, I mean, quite extraordinary performances. Stuff I'd never seen them do before. I've always, I've long liked Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. I think there's an argument for him in the film Alexander. I quite like that film, even though nobody else does. But. Um, here it's so completely different to anything you've seen them do before i think it's worth going to see the film just for that alone mm-hmm. um and so immediately you're off kilter you uh, it's it's um reminded me of an old uh, horror film with sam neill in it called possession which is if you want to see the most uh, <laughs> pardon my French, but batshit horror movie you've ever seen, <laughs> then check out Possession. It's insane. You play a, a couple going through a divorce living in Eastern Europe, and uh, uh, she uh, she starts um, talking about this uh, strange entity that we don't, we can't quite see. And they, they've all got these very strange, wide-eyed, mannered, wooden uh, performances, which add to this um, this creepy sense of atmosphere. I was reviewing uh, Annabelle on Tuesday, and I said the problem with the jump scare stuff is that it's just random. It doesn't build up a sense of dread. It just sort of goes it just sort of goes bang you know and then you go oh you have to jump whereas this one there is a jump scare moment but it's late it's one and it's late on in the film and you've just been so unsettled by this whole experience that when it does happen and this big stri- you know this screeching string music comes in you just go oh gee, oh my good god you know um uh, and it's because something genuinely messed up is happening but you're also worried for everything that's going on um i it did um, so, so you know, for at least certainly for the first hour, you're just going, "Oh my good god, what is this? Where is it going?" Oh, and it's surprisingly funny as well. I mean, the guy I went with was another comedian, and he um, last year I went to see High Rise with a, a comedian mate of mine, and I'm so glad when I take comedians with me because they're not art house kind of people, <laughs> and so they laugh a lot more. Uh, these uh, these weirder ones, and it helps me to laugh a lot more actually, rather than sitting there stroking my chin. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I think it. It, it did test my patience towards the end. I, th- I kind of felt like it, I was kind of worn down by it a bit, but only only a bit. And it, it, on the whole, I was so glad I went and saw it because you go to these things to be challenged and to be mm-hmm. given something different. And this was just something I was so was not expecting. It's awesome. a gorgeous looking film. The cinematographer is a guy called uh, Thymios Bakatakis. I should say there's a lot of Greek names in the uh, <laughs> in the um, and he has this really odd way. Of, like a lot of the shots, all the actions happening in the bottom half of the screen. So it's like the ceilings are constantly pressing down on the action, like the world is just weighing down slowly but surely on uh, on all the uh, actors, and everything's just slightly off kilter. Everything's mm-hmm. there, just designed to make you go, "Oh, blimey, something's not right here. I don't feel comfortable." And uh, so, if you're not on board with it within five minutes, it's going to really annoy you. But if you go with it, you're going to find it very rewarding. Unfortunately, the last screening was today, so you, hopefully it will turn up at the film, um, turn up in the cinemas later in the year. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was that was very interesting. But the real gem, and I said I was going to see this on Tuesday, and I did go and see it, was Happy End, which is the new film written and directed by Michael Haneke. Now, um, some people may know Michael Haneke's work. Some people may be very aware of him from a few years ago. His last film was Amour, which ended up uh, being a big hitter at the Oscars. Oscars, um, uh, just in terms of because of the fact that uh, uh, it won the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar, but it was one of the, I think, the nine foreign language films ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a lot, which 
I said so much about the Oscars, we haven't got time to go into that. <laughs> um, but, um, and it was, it was this, um, it was, it, strangely, it was one of his more tender ones. I mean, when he said he was making a film about, called Amour, about love, everyone, well, that's going to be ironic, because he's the great um, provocateur, you know, he does these really harsh films about um, middle-class Europeans that just take um, bourgeois self-importance just completely apart, just a scorched earth satirical approach to things. And then Amour came along, and actually, it was a straight-up... Um, film about an older couple she starts suffering from dementia and it's about that lifetime of love as they have to deal with um, her debilitating disease right through to the end and so he seemed to sort of uh, and it was quite a big hitter and then there was a thing going around that someone had made up a Twitter account for Michael Haneke because he himself is a very severe man and someone had you know put this stuff about lol kittens and ruffle and all this sort of stuff um, uh, and so yeah he's, he's kind of um He's slowly but surely become one of the directors who is, uh, like, like up there. He's one of the directors you think in a hundred years' time people will be talking about his work. One of the current living directors that mm-hmm. you think that will definitely happen. This is a new film, uh, the, the Happy End is his latest film, which is kind of a midpoint between his uh, m- recent more sensitive stuff like the white ribbon and more but has a lot of the old harshness and it's and again it is as i said it's scorched earth policy are talking about the current state of um uh of basically middle class white europeans um and it tells the story of this family who incredibly dysfunctional family um uh, to whom a series of unfortunate accidents and weird things start happening the the it looks like the you know the the grandfather keeps disappearing off they've got this strange granddaughter who's very emotionally shut off she's now living with her father who was split from her mother she and and from the beginning we see uh, the little girl she's we're watching from her iphone as she comments she films and commentates on her mum who's depressed going through her bathroom routines and her daily routines and you can't figure out whether it's sarcastic or whether it's sad or whether it's heartfelt or whatever um it, but it's sort of very detached um then uh the the matriarch the played by isabelle Huppert, and uh, her son is involved in an accident on a building site that she runs there's something going on there she's also starting a relationship with an english guy called lawrence played by toby jones uh who's an excellent actor uh, in fact well it should be said the whole cast is excellent at this the grandfather's played by the iconic french actor jean-louis trentagnon um who was in hanek's previous film uh amour and is in so many great films you should definitely check him out um a really electric actor and has still got it at 90 no 87 um oh, yeah. still got it still going still uh, still really interesting and, and with it um and cumulative you get the sense of this messed up family who um who kind of deserve everything they get um and yet at the same time you you you're so um Hanukkah grabs hold of you and, and makes you go on this this weird journey with these characters. Although a lot of it doesn't make sense at the beginning. Like he start he gives you only as much information as he wants you to know and he constructs this thing and as it goes on you start to learn, oh okay, so the granddaughter's dad, he's he's sleeping around uh, still um what's going on with the son he's getting beaten up randomly by this guy and he seems quite sort of out of kilter with the rest of the family he keeps trying to make things awkward um and the mum what's her deal why is she putting up with all of this you know she seems quite you know uh, um uh, upset by everything but she's not she's holding a lot in um 
and it's one of those ones if you're if you're not used to Hanukkah's stuff it's probably a good starting point although bear in mind it is pretty harsh I mean there's about six or seven suicide attempts in the whole film exactly yeah Whew, wow um, and it's not uh, but it's not treating all this sort of stuff flippantly like it's uh, thing. he I think again saying the compassion thing from his last couple of films it seems to me he really really cares he reminds me of that quote so it said um, the character Johnny and Mike Lee film called Naked, that he's not a pessimist, he's a frustrated optimist, and I think that's true with Michael Haneke. Um, he's talking very seriously about, very, very seriously about all this stuff, um, and in a harsh way, but it's not flippant, it's not uh, the characters are detached, he's not detached. Um, it's brilliantly shot by Christian Berger in, this, in the usual sort of clinical manner that uh, Michael Haneke's films have. Um, it's expertly put together. If if I, if one was to be lazy, you'd say, oh, well, this is the kind of thing that Michael Haneke just does really well and he just knocked out another one. But uh, I think that would be to pretend that he doesn't have this very complex const construction to it. And it's, it's kind of weirdly like a Christopher Nolan film. As I say, you know, he gives you only so much information as you need to know, and then you've got to do the work from there. It's kind of weird, like weirdly like a, an investigative thriller, but there's not a murder at the centre of the narrative. It's just a family. Like, how mm. the hell did this family get like this? And through all this, there is also this, this commentary going on about attitudes towards immigration and immigrants. Um, and so builds to this climax which uh, i hate to use the phrase but it's very thought-provoking one of the most interesting and thought-provoking climaxes i've ever seen i won't say anything but it had this um feeling of no matter what is happening with all the white people in the room it's clear that clearly that the sympathy is lying with the uh the the people of color at the back of the room um and it's it's entirely commenting on uh just the sheer awfulness of all these middle-class people um so it was, yeah, I thought it, I mean, I, last year I said I Am Not Your Negro is the first five-star review of the film. This is my second five-star review. I'm really Tested. surprised to find myself liking this as, as well, liking, but just, just, just being as impressed by it as I was. I can't mm -hmm. think of a single thing wrong with it. And it's very easy to say, oh, well, you're saying that because Michael Haneke does that. But he just does it so damn well. Awesome. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a... It's it's harsh and it's easy. I looked up the certificate when I was reviewing it. I wonder what certificate that was. It's M rating. I thought, okay, that's fine, but it could just as easily be an R eighteen because it's so messed up mm -hmm. that you just you know it, uh, it's it's you have to go in. You do have to go in armed. It's not sure. respect. It looks on the surface to be respectable uh, European art house cinema. And it's not really, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that um, I think that one's also finished as well. But again, hopefully that will show in the cinema because I think I would love for everyone to see it. Um, so yeah, yeah. That was uh, that, that was the sum total of what I, uh, what I saw on my holiday. Fantastic. <laughs> and then one or two that you'd uh, oh yeah, so eye up for the coming yeah coming yeah. Week? So there's um, uh, there's a one more screening left of Faces Places, which I mentioned last week, the Agnes Varda documentary that's showing at 11 a.m. on the 23rd, and also Rumble, the Indians who rock the world. Um, mm, which is on very the 28th. Much looking forward to that. Yeah, one more screening on the 28th at 2.15. Uh, that's definitely worth going to see. Um, also, just ones I haven't seen yet, but I th would like to flag up Loveless, the Andrei Zviagintsev uh, movie from Russia, which um, I'm thoroughly looking forward to. Apparently is one of the bleakest films you'll ever see, but is a masterpiece, so check mm -hmm. that out. They've also got the Palm Door winner, The Square, by Ruben Ostland. Um, any of you saw Force Majeure a couple of years ago? Uh, same director, go check that one out. If you like that, I'm sure this will be uh, a tip-top one. One I'd like to flag up um, by 
a previous Palme d'Or winner, I think a neglected, for me personally, a neglected French filmmaker, uh, Laurent Conte's The Workshop. He won the Palme d'Or in 2008 for The Class, and he did a brilliant film. He did the first film in America called Foxfire, which no one has seen, but I think is a really, really terrific movie about a girl gang in the 1950s. This new one, The Workshop, is about... Um, uh, it's kind of much more in the vein of the class, which was a film literally about a class in Paris, in the city, uh, you know, and how what it's like teaching in the inner mm. cities. And this is kind of about um, uh, a left was it a, a left wing author who comes up against a right wing student, and they're trying to start a debate with them to try and get them win them round to their way of mm-hmm. thinking. And I thought, well, it's Laurent Conte, so it's not going to be as po faced as that. There's going to be something much more interesting going on, and that will definitely be worth checking out. And there's also the new film by uh, uh, Claire Denis, who's a wonderful, wonderful filmmaker. This one's called. Let the Sunshine In with uh, Juliette Binoche. Um, Claire Denis, one of the finest filmmakers working today, and you should definitely go and check that one out. So, Awesome. Thank you so much, Simon. Cheers. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back in, in due course. To- yes, yes. I will go and try and see uh, much more this coming week. All right. Well, uh, that's plenty to be going on with. Yeah, get down to uh, the region or the Rialto and catch a film or two mm. in the next, uh, what, 12 days we've got. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us on the show.